memory of asking my mom one day, I was probably eight or nine years old, if she thought my teeth were yellow. No, she said in disgust. I walked away dejected. I'd wanted her to say yes, because I wanted to look like Beetlejuice. Not the Beetlejuice of the 1988 Tim Burton movie, but the main character of the 1989 animated series bearing the same name. Though I know I should be wary. Still I venture someplace scary, ghostly haunting, I turn loose. Beetlejuice! 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 Like the character in the film, delightfully portrayed by Michael Keaton, cartoon Beetlejuice went around in a black and white striped suit and had a gravelly voice reminiscent of Beavis and or Butthead. But that's where the similarities stopped. Cartoon Beetlejuice had long blonde hair, long red nails that looked like they were painted, a prominent hooked nose, crooked yellow teeth, and cha-cha heels. <laughs> and unlike the movie character, he was actually lovable. But let's dial it back a second, just so we can be quite clear. We all know the movie Beetlejuice about a morbid teen, Lydia Dietz, played incomparably by Winona Ryder, whose family moves into a house that is still occupied by its former residents who happen to be ghosts. They moved in as newlyweds and quickly died, and still haven't quite put it together that they're actually dead and that living people are going to come and live in their house. So they get pissed off and try to scare the living away, with the help of Sylvia Sidney and also a horny, destructive spirit named Beetlejuice, who can be summoned whenever someone says his name three times in succession. Now in the movie, you'll probably remember that the character of Beetlejuice, while charming and hilarious in his own right, is pretty gross. He's super horny, constantly looking to get laid in the underworld's red light district, and is desperate to regain entry into the world of the living by marrying Lydia, who is a child. Gross! It sucks, but the movie is good because its ostensible main character is both the hero and the villain. It creates a strange tension that somehow works, causing you to both root for and against this dude as he wreaks complete and total havoc on the depressing, normie world of the Dietzes. So you can imagine how turning this kind of an X-rated character into a cartoon was not the most intuitive decision. As fucking weird as 90s cartoons could be, Nobody was ready to make a fully-fledged 30-minute animated show about an undead sex pest. But they were ready to make a show about a gender-weird freak who inexplicably has long hair, permanent nail polish, and a girl persona named Betty Juice. Yes, rest assured, we will get there. So instead of trying to turn the Beetlejuice of the film into a cartoon, animators basically had to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to make the disturbing concept of Beetlejuice kid-friendly. And they succeeded by turning him into a lovable, weird sidekick to Lydia, who is the true main character of the piece. In the animated series, Beetlejuice, 
ultra-disturbingly nicknamed BJ, and sometimes even Beej, and Lydia hang out and have weird underworld adventures and do shenanigans at the mall, and Beetlejuice basically serves the purpose of imaginary friend. Beetlejuice has some spooky friends, including a French skeleton and large hairy cowboy, but nobody in Lydia's living world seems to know or understand what Beetlejuice is, which is understandable, because his powers consist of floating and turning into basically anything he wants, which he often does to underscore just how literally he takes in the world, which I, as a freakish autistic kid, really, really liked. Beetlejuice basically occupies a weird in-between position by having his closest friend be Lydia, a human, but being unable to fully enter her world since he's a creature of the neither world, as in neither here nor there. This leads to many complications and shenanigans, including a few episodes where Beetlejuice has to, yes, dress up as a girl, Betty Juice, to help Lydia deal with a few more gender-specific coming-of-age problems. And like every coming-of-age story, there's a strong assumption that as Lydia ages, Beetlejuice, her sort of imaginary undead friend, will lose his place in her life. He can't really live in her world, only posing as human during the times when he has to intervene, the rest of the time, he, of course, lives in the afterlife. This show ran for four seasons, and while Lydia never does quite abandon Beetlejuice, one of the final episodes does have Beetlejuice as a kind of trauma response, literally split into two different people, Posijuice and Negajuice, and Lydia has to summon a Sigmund Freud knockoff to put him back together again. So yeah, there's a lot going on. But I think the thing that I liked so much about Beetlejuice as a kid, apart from his teeth, was the way that his gender presentation and physicality didn't really matter in terms of him being liked and accepted by the people in his life, namely his best friend and confidant Lydia. One of my favorite episodes last season was our Alice Cooper episode, where Harmony Colangelo came on the show to talk about how much Cooper's music and persona meant to her growing up. When I was doing the research for this episode, I couldn't help thinking about how much Beetlejuice is kind of an extension of the character Cooper plays. A man who loves horror, shock, awe, and insanity, and yet has a strangely tender core. Alice dies on albums and then comes back from hell and it's fine. Alice dies on stage <laughs> three times a night and comes back and it's fine. Like, you can't kill this trans person. Like, the dead tranny yeah. doesn't exist in this universe. When Harmony called Alice Cooper referring to his penchant for showing up on stage in a noose and electrifying himself only to spring back to life minutes later, the trans person you can't kill, it made me think about Beetlejuice's strange position in the world of kids' cartoons. He's someone who's both gross and lovable, both ridiculously grotesque yet kind of poignant in the ways he can't really align himself with the human world or even enter it without a problem. I could say a lot of things about Beetlejuice as a metaphor, now, he's the one cartoon character I can recall, outside of Disney villains, with a prominent hooked nose, and yes, we will get into the anti-Semitism of that another day, and a strangely thick transmasculine body, how he's floating, literally floating, in between states of being, and how he, despite seemingly being an adult, never has any interest in romance or relationships outside of his platonic friendship with Lydia. But the main thing about him, I think, is the thing that also makes Alice Cooper feel so radical. He's a character who has no manners, no social graces, barely any basic hygiene. Yet he is loved and lovable. 
Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Wow, just what I needed. A new pair of pants. A spider brooch? Oh, I could kiss you. <sighs> but I'll just give you a big hug. How about a spin in the old head to celebrate? Ooh, one of my favorites. There's a huge gap in my memory between wanting my teeth to be yellow to look like Beetlejuice or wanting my face to look like any of the male actors I liked as a kid and wanting to look like a, quote, normal girl. My dysmorphia set in really early, and when I think about going through puberty, I literally can't remember much of it. I do know, however, that I basically avoided looking in the mirror or dealing with my body altogether. My mom tells me that there was a period where she had to tell me to shower because I wasn't doing it for myself. Kids in class made fun of me for not shaving my armpits or wearing a bra. Meanwhile, I was simply trying to disappear. I think I thought that if I didn't pay attention to my appearance, it would simply go away. When I did start looking at myself, it was at the age of 16 or so. And the first thing I saw was a face and body I didn't want. I was convinced that I was the ugliest person in the world, that I didn't even look human. I still feel like that a lot of the time, and I probably always will. Most trans people understand this feeling. It's called dysmorphia, a cousin of dysphoria, where you look in the mirror and you're incapable of seeing yourself with any kind of objectivity. You just see this gross, ugly monster who everyone probably hates. All you can focus on is what you're not, which is a, quote, normal boy or girl or person. You're focusing on all the ways in which you aren't cis, and it makes you feel like you're walking around with a face like a cubist painting. But that's not the reality. It's just that we haven't found a way to be ourselves in our bodies yet. So we look for stories about people who can be loved in spite of, or perhaps because of, their commitment to looking fucked up. Figures like Alice Cooper, or Robert Smith of The Cure, or Johnny Depp in Edward Scissorhands, or Jack Skellington, or Cartoon Beetlejuice. Because for whatever else they are, they're so completely themselves. So themselves that everybody else in the world has to work around them in order to be in their presence, not the reverse. They don't have to do any hiding or make themselves pretty or palatable or try to disappear. They're just who they are. So no wonder I wanted my teeth to be yellow. No wonder I wanted to look like middle-aged men throughout my entire childhood. At least they could see themselves. And that's the first step, I think to really being free. Totally Trans Minisodes is a production of the Totally Trans Podcast Network. Find us on Twitter at Totally Trans Podcast and support us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash totally trans. what time it is do i know what time it is it's 10 19 no ad break time <laughs> nerdycuppy.com quality queerwear is a trans owned and operated family apparel and accessory business in portland oregon as their name implies they can drape you in affordable gender affirming fashion from head to toe and even offer a selection of home goods besides so whether you're in the market for a dapper button down or a dress with pockets nerdy Cuppy will literally have you covered you can get 10% off your order at checkout 
with the discount code TOTALLYTRANS, all one word. So remember, visit nerdykeppy.com, that's N-E-R-D-Y-K-E-P-P-I-E dot com, or use the easier to remember, it has pockets.gay. Use discount code TOTALLYTRANS for 10% off at checkout. And thanks again for listening. We have a Patreon, and if you back us at patreon.com backslash totallytrans at $5 or more, not only can you join our amazing new Discord server and join in the conversation and uh, send us messages, hmm. but you also get thanked on this show right now. Uh, this week, we have one more backer at $5, and it is, I'm going to destroy your name. I'm so sorry. Amanda Roan Indange in Amanda Roan Indange. I think it's is it Swedish? Maybe. We don't know. I I don't know. I'm I'm so sorry Tell that us. we're as American as we are. <laughs> I am Canadian, so okay. I, I but you can't I, pronounce it either. <laughs> no, not at all. I poorly speak three languages. <laughs> but anyway, Amanda. We appreciate you as much as we appreciate Dog. 10 out of 10, no notes. We also have some cool shirts and stuff on TeePublic and Redbubble. And because we live in a capitalist hellscape, uh, we're also searching for sponsors. So if you want to sponsor us, you should let us know because we would absolutely love to work with you instead of just like companies who want to sell mattresses and meal kits and stuff. Yeah, we can... I'm not going to say their name, but we can start advertising for a grocery delivery service, a grocery delivery service. And we aren't sure we want to do that because we'd much rather be collaborating with queer owned businesses. So. So, yeah. Yeah. Collaborate with us. Please free us from the shackles of this hellscape. <laughs>